Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. Your all's data over the internal affairs reports show that there are instances where they've originated with nonviolent crimes. Right. This has happened. How does CMPD reconcile that? For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. A lot of people don't value things like, don't value the next person's life, disregard for other people's life. And it's sad. It really is. It really is. January 3rd was supposed to be one of the happiest days in Aaron Norwood's life. He was a new father, surrounded by friends on his way to the hospital to sign his daughter's birth certificate. What was the car ride like? Like a normal ride. But at the same time, Charlotte Mecklenburg police officers were attempting to pull over a vehicle for having a covered license plate. When the driver of that vehicle, a Jeep, refused to pull over, the officers were left with a decision. Let him go or engage in a pursuit. They chose to pursue. They said the driver eventually sped up and drove into the wrong lane, at which point police disengaged for the last time. A misdemeanor covered license plate set off a police pursuit during rush hour that ended with this scene. And so that crash killed a woman and left her friend in a coma. But a WCNC Charlotte investigation found they are not the only innocent bystanders hurt or killed during police pursuits. Far from it. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. I'm joined by two journalists from WCNC in Charlotte, North Carolina. Producer Sarah Beckman, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And investigative reporter Nate Morabito, thanks for joining us once again. Yeah, Reed, thanks for having us on. So you both worked on an investigation for WCNC into police pursuits, particularly the sometimes deadly outcomes of police pursuits. And your investigation includes a story that starts with a new father on his way to the hospital with some friends to sign his newborn daughter's birth certificate. Nate, take us inside their vehicle. What was going on that afternoon? Yeah, so that was about 5 o'clock, right at the beginning of 2022. January 3rd, uh, a man named Aaron Norwood, uh, one of his best friends, Brittany Webb, and one other person hopped in a car. They came to pick him up because the day before his daughter was born, Zaley, this is his first child, they hop in the car and they're really close buddies and they just keep teasing him about how he's finally a father, how they've just waited for so long for this day. They were headed to sign Zaley's birth certificate and to visit the little girl and spirits could not have been any higher as they were going down this busy road in Charlotte, not far from uptown Charlotte, when all of a sudden they were blindsided head on by another car. And Sarah, you and Nate have learned about what was going on on the other side of this crash 
as Aaron Norward and Brittany Webb were headed to the hospital, you've learned Charlotte Mecklenburg police officers were attempting to stop another driver. What was the reason for that attempted traffic stop and what ended up happening? Yeah, so they had spotted um, a black Jeep and they started following him because he had a covered license plate. So that's just a regular, you know, traffic violation. Um, people see those all the time. But they had started to pursue him. They kind of backed off. Then they pursued him more. And he went through, you know, these really busy areas. And this is, again, as Nate described, around 5 o'clock, um, busy traffic time in Charlotte. And he then goes the wrong way. And that's when... They hit head on. He hits head on with Brittany and Aaron and their third passenger. And and what happened was tragic and life-changing for those people. Talk about that. What ended up happening as a result of that crash? So as a result, um, police stopped and we have um, some radio chatter of them, you know, trying to assess the situation. We still got one at least. Unresponses. The other male is not doing so well either. Tell them to find the gas pedal. They see that Aaron is not doing so well. Brittany is there. Um, and there we have pictures that we show in our story of paramedics working on Aaron. He's out of the car. He's laying down face up out of the car and they're working on him, trying to revive him. They take him and Brittany to the hospital. And we try to connect it for viewers of they were going to the hospital for a really happy occasion and how they get there is not happy at all. And so Brittany ends up um, in a coma. So does Aaron. They don't even know that they're side by side in different rooms right next to each other. And Brittany fights for her life. And ultimately her family has to make the decision um, to end life support and she doesn't make it. Nate, you've spoken with family members of Brittany Webb. What did they share with you about what this tragic experience was like for them and and about the kind of person that the world lost as a result of this crash? So Brittany Webb lived in New York. She would regularly come down and and visit Charlotte to see her friends, and she had a child here as well. Another one of her children uh, lived in New York City. And so most of her family lives in New York City. One of our photographers, a photojournalist, Pierre Simmons, went up there and interviewed Uh, them. We talked with them uh, over the computer via Zoom. And it was just so heartbreaking to listen to them talk about this. Because it's important for people to know what happened to her. Perhaps what's bothered them the most beyond the fact that they've lost their daughter or sister is that no one knows what happened to her. No one up until the point we started looking into it really knew what happened to her. This is a crash that largely flew under the radar was never reported on any of the TV news or the the newspaper or radio here in Charlotte. And it was a pretty significant crash. And they're just heartbroken. You know, this is a a woman who's described as just so bubbly and full of life. And just like the rest of us, makes mistakes along the way, but is always trying to kind of recenter and restart and correct any mistakes that she's made. And she has two children. And this was really hard. We talked to her parents. Mother's Day had passed, and her mother had to take her daughter to a Mother's Day event when Brittany could not be there. And so you have the grandmother now trying to step in, be the mother when these kids really want their mom. And for her father, it's just so hard. He's so used to her calling him and walking through the door. 
and that's never going to happen anymore. And so he really, he told his daughter as she was dying, I'm going to fight for you. And the family basically said, we're going to make sure that people know that she was taken from us. And that's what they are now trying to do. You've also spoken to this new father, Aaron Norward. How has all of this changed his life? So if you just spend some time and sit down and talk to Aaron, even though I did not know him beforehand, you can tell the impact just on his speech in trying to talk about his life now. He struggles getting words out. Uh, He struggles sometimes coming up with the words to even say beyond just speaking them. Uh, One of his eyes, he cannot open all the way. He had to, after spending a month in a coma, learn how to eat and drink and talk and walk again. And it's just really changed who he is. He knows it could be worse. He knows because Brittany was a close friend of his. He knows that this family has it even even tougher than he does. But he has this little girl, Zaylee, who he's just head over heels in love with this little girl. It took him probably a month, a little more than a month to get to really hold her after the crash and interact with her again. And he says anytime that he thinks about giving up, which he does often, he just thinks about his daughter. And you can hear in these videos that were recorded of his recovery in the hospital of his mother just reminding him, you're doing this for Zaylee. You need to do this for Zaylee. He had something to kind of cling to to pull him out of this. Uh, All we can do is take it one day at a time. Well, that's all I can do anyway. It'd be times where I want to give up and break down and cry, but... Won't do me no good. And his attitude it was just really unbelievable. And I told him this when we were there talking to him. I just could not get over his outlook on life. Instead of sitting there and complaining about what happened to him, he was talking about gratitude and just how much he was appreciative that he's getting this chance to kind of be a father and be alive and be with his family. Right now, I got to just stay positive. I know it's hard. It is. It is. But... I got to. And so, Sarah, as part of this investigation, you learned that there was, just days after this crash, another deadly crash in Charlotte following an attempted traffic stop. What were the details of that incident? Yeah, so that one um, had been reported on by by one of our competitors, but we found out about that one. Um, and the details of that was... There was a teenager who, uh, again, was in a busy area of Charlotte um, just a week later after Brittany and Aaron's crash, and he had been leading police on a high-speed chase over 50 miles an hour over the speed limit. And again, these people who are being pursued drive erratically, and he, again, hit head-on into another car that carried three people. One of those people was Mickey Brown, and he lost his life because of that crash. In both of these stories, we have officers attempting to make a traffic stop And then when the driver doesn't pull over, they have a choice on their hands. They can either let the vehicle go or they can choose to pursue the driver. Nate, what does the law say about that decision? What's the protocol for an officer in this situation in Charlotte? So first of all, there's the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department policy, which says, number one, you should only chase someone if they've committed or appear to be committing a crime that's dangerous to life. But there's also a section that basically leaves it up to the officer's discretion. If they believe 
they could potentially kill someone, they can pursue them. And that means that if you start a pursuit by trying to pull someone over and they leave, and although they were, you're trying to pull them over for a minor misdemeanor traffic offense that's not violent in any way, and then they start driving in a way that you can interpret could be dangerous to other people's lives, you can continue to pursue. You can escalate that. And as they are driving more and more erratically, some say that there's too much discretion for the officers to do that pursuit. And here in North Carolina, the law is also pretty broad in giving officers a lot of leeway when it comes to making a decision, even if in hindsight it's in poor judgment, it violates policy, the standard is so high of gross negligence that it's really hard for police officers and police departments to be held civilly liable. Basically, what attorneys for these families say is these officers, any officers, can pursue any person for any reason they want, whether it's within policy or not. And the law here in North Carolina is so wide open that the majority of the time, you'd have an incredibly difficult time trying to prove gross negligence. We also learned from CMPD Charlotte Mecklenburg Police that there is a supervisor who is in contact with that police officer at all times during a pursuit. They're monitoring the pursuit. They're um, possibly giving advice or guidance. um, And they have to you know, again, just clear it with that supervisor to pursue. And so that was that was new information that I hadn't known, um, that there is another set of eyes that views what's going on, which you could say it's another set of eyes that could say yes or no, don't pursue. Okay, you can pursue now. Um, but again, like, like Nate had mentioned, it was so surprising to see what, what does dangerous to life mean? right? Or dangerous to the public. Uh, it's it's just open for a lot of interpretation with that policy. Were you able to get a hold of Charlotte Mecklenburg police records on pursuits? What kind of records do they keep on this? Yeah. So we, we requested data about how many pursuits the department has been a part of. And so in an annual report, the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department documents every chase that meets their definition of a pursuit. So we have those numbers, and those numbers show that over the last decade, the number of pursuits in Charlotte has more than quadrupled. Uh, That data also includes were pursuits justified under policy? Were they not justified? Uh, How did these pursuits start? Were they traffic offenses? In in about 3%, a little less than 3% of the cases, uh, they were traffic offenses. The majority, according to the department's records, were started because of some kind of violent crime. We've also requested the outcomes of these pursuits, and we're still waiting for that data. Basically, how many pursuits resulted in crashes? How many resulted in injuries? How many resulted in deaths? We requested that more than a couple months ago. We're still waiting to get those details. And Nate, you spoke with a Charlotte-Mecklenburg police lieutenant, Stephen Fishback, about some of these trends. What did he tell you? So first things first, he told us, number one, The number of pursuits has increased anecdotally because there's a rise in violent crime in this city and also because he believes there is newer technology that allows police to be able to better track down people and basically find them when they're, you know, breaking the law. That technology is allowing us to identify and locate more of these vehicles that are used in violent crime. And thus, it's it's expected that we would be involved in more vehicle pursuits. 
Uh, we asked for any data that supports kind of those stances, and he, he couldn't provide that. He said the department couldn't provide that. But from from an explanation of why the pursuits are increasing, that's what he said. He also told us that the public expects police to arrest people who are violent. And we basically asked him, you know, well, what about those cases where they're not violent? Your all's data over the internal affairs report show that there are instances where they've originated with nonviolent crimes, right? This has happened. Beyond just this year, there have been traffic offenses that started a pursuit, including earlier this year, two separate people who died. How does CMPD reconcile that? So number one, we're human beings. And we're asking human beings to, ver to do a very difficult, high stress job. And so we set these expectations out there through our directives. And again, if officers violate what's laid out in those directives, they're gonna be held accountable. And he said to us, when an officer pursues someone and violates the policy, they pursue them for an offense that's not within the policy, they are held accountable. So in this case, and we're talking about internally, in this case, we requested the personnel records and found that in the months after this pursuit that we're talking about in early January, the two officers involved were suspended for at least three weeks without pay. And again, I can't speak to a specific case, but what I can tell you is, you go back to instances of poor judgment, if mistakes are made, if there are violations of the directive, our officers are gonna be held accountable. This is, of course, not just a Charlotte problem. Nate, what have you been able to learn about what this problem looks like on a national level? So we were able to request some federal data, and I wanna make a point about this federal data because it is incomplete. There is no federal law requiring departments report when there is a fatal pursuit crash. So it's all voluntary. But over the last four decades, the federal government has created a database that monitors the number of pursuit deaths and the number of innocent bystander deaths, police officer deaths, suspect deaths. And we found that the number of bystander deaths hit a record high in 2020, according to these statistics, the only most recently statistics we had, and that the numbers have increased by more than three times over the last four decades, since 1982. And here in North Carolina, for example, in 2020, we were tied for seventh nationwide. What we hear from some is that they think there should be mandatory reporting, so we really have an idea of the scope of the problem. But if you watch our story, you will, you will hear from people in plenty of other states who are family members of innocent people. These are people like the grandmother and the two grandkids in Georgia that are just driving down the road and killed in an instant. These are people like a woman and her close friend uh, in, in a, the next county over a decade ago who were driving down the road one night, bam, hit by another car that was fleeing a checkpoint in that case. And these families, year after year, despite sharing their stories, are now watching the number of innocent bystander deaths continue to increase. And we, we documented at least 4,200 innocent bystander deaths. That's not including the thousands of people who've died in chased cars and those who died in police cruisers as well. What efforts are being made? What's being done either in Charlotte or elsewhere around the country to, to try to make sure we hear less of these stories to try to protect the lives of innocent bystanders in these situations. 
you know, it, it just, it varies as we're continuing to report on this story. We're understanding that it varies on what's being done to cut it down. Um, in Washington state, we recently uncovered that they have a law that, um, police cannot pursue unless it's a violent crime. Right. So that's, that's a pretty high standard. Um, but again, as we're finding out, the policies are not uniform. Um, and it, it just, again, it's up to the discretion of the officers in that moment. We had just talked to, um, a criminologist from University of South Carolina this week who had pointed out, you know, officers have to make dozens of decisions in, you know, that split 30 seconds or so or less than 30 seconds. And so he had been advocating for better training, better education. um, And those are avenues that we're trying to explore with our future reporting. And Reed, I just want to add this too, because that criminologist really made a great Point that was interesting and unique from what we've heard from other people. Uh, Jeff Elbert's his name. And he says that policies are good. He helped write CMPD's policy, for example. He says that any policy on this topic should only allow pursuits for violent crimes, crimes that are dangerous to life. And he believes every pursuit policy should exclude the driver's driving once a pursuit starts. So if you stop that right there, if you if you only can judge from the moment you witness a crime to the moment you start pursuing, that is the only time frame you can use. That's that's your only context to deciding if this pursuit should continue. And that's something that we really had not heard before because you hear from a lot of advocates they just want it to be for violent crimes. But but a reason that we hear from maybe opponents that are more supportive of the police pursuit side of things is that these people are driving erratically and they are putting people at risk. But what what the criminologist says is good police work will always track down these people. You can let them go. And if you're a good police department with, with good investigative skills, he believes you'll be able to find that person. Our listeners can find your full investigation at WCNC.com. Sarah Beckman and Nate Boravita with WCNC in Charlotte. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much. Thanks, Reed. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following The Daily Crime wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're looking for something else to listen to, you can find a full list of our shows at vaultstudios.com. That includes our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.